Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You here, in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is a great privilege to be here with you this afternoon, and particularly to commission Laura in this new role. Good luck, Laura. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I say it in a way funny because it's a hard task you've got. It's not an easy thing, pioneering youth church, fresh expressions for young people. It's a hard task you have. We were so pleased when we interviewed you and found you, though, because we do think you're the right person. If anyone could do it, you can. But it's a hard thing that's being asked. Now, um, if we can have the first picture up. Some of you will have seen this picture before. Um, But it it actually expresses where we're at as a church. This is Cholutica Bridge. And the church we've inherited is a bit like Cholutica Bridge. In the late 1990s, you may remember a hurricane, Hurricane Mitch. And it caused devastation. It swept many bridges and roads away. But Cholutica Bridge was so well designed, so well built, that it survived intact. I mean, sadly, its approach roads were swept away and the river it spanned changed course. But the bridge itself remains glorious, a testimony to the bridge builders of the day. But everything around it has changed. And it no longer takes people from one side of the river to the other which it was designed to do. It is now a historical curiosity. Tourists come to see it. Local people cherish and preserve it. But people who need to cross the river must take another route. 
It's a parable for our church life and structure today. And although you're not wedded and bound, I mean, you have moved out the old building, but there's a sense in which even Christchurch based on Hill, we need to be thinking differently. A hundred years ago, 55% of all um, children in this country, oh, I see I've got a screen here, right, I can see that. 55% of all children in this country went to Sunday school of some sort. Today, it's less than 4%. But there are a few people who go to midweek clubs. In fact, Messy Church is now making a big difference. And you have quite a few come. Is it once a month midweek? Um, which is great. But you can see that a church that's relied on a returner policy of witness, i.e., we hope people will grow up in the faith, and then they go off and, and sow their wild oats, well, maybe, and they, then they come back to what they remember, their spiritual roots, you know, when they've um, had a crisis, when they have a baby, when they're thinking of getting married, or what have you. And they come back to something familiar. The returner policy works where the vast majority of children are brought up with Christian foundations. But today, the vast majority of young people do not grow up knowing the Christian story or even who Jesus is. In the early 1990s, I remember taking um, classes in school in Stockport, secondary school, and when I asked what happened on Good Friday, only one hand went up. And it wasn't just because they didn't think it was cool. They did not know. One person out of 30 So churches that operate as though young people will one day come back are flawed in their thinking. Because as the years go by, there are less and less children who have any Christian foundation to which they may later return. So we need to recognize that while traditional methods of Christian witness, please come to us, we're very kind and friendly and nice and we make nice biscuits and good coffee, they work to a certain extent, and they work for a few, but they're not effective as they were. Which is why we've employed you, Laura. No, sorry. It's always good to put a bit of pressure on, don't worry. When I was a curate at St. George's Stockport in the late 1980s, big church that, but I ran two youth groups as the curate, like you did, and the, the younger youth group, 11 to 15-year-olds, had 30 in it called the Dragons. We were St. George's, you see, so they called it the Dragons. And then the, the, the older group, Sniff. <laughs> Sunday Night Youth Fellowship. Terrible names, isn't it? That's part of the legacy. 16 to 30-year-olds, and there were about 20 of them. Now, that was a viable group, you know, to be doing then in the late 80s, of a largest church. But things have not, only the big, big, big churches really continue like that. And even, I think here at Christchurch Basin Hill, you might struggle to get many 16 to 30-year-olds together for a group. I don't know. But there were members of that congregation, when I was a curate, who hark back to a time of the great radio parson, Wilfred Garlick. Any of you heard of him? No, gosh, not even... Not even the Archdeacon has never heard of that, no. Wilfred Garlick, he was a big name during the war, don't worry. Um, and it, they said they had youth groups of 500, 500, and they would have a thousand at Evensong, 
and the youth group would meet afterwards. So there'd be a thousand in of the congregation and 500 go off into different groups in the schools afterwards. And many people met their life partners at church through the youth group. That was a common thing. They met people in church. Anybody here met their partner in church? Oh, quite a few. It still goes on. How sweet. Yeah, that's nice. Good. The point, the problem is though, I know for you younger ones, it's going to be tough. There might not be so many unless we change things, all right? Most young people are no longer to be found in our churches. They're out there. They're out there. They're not in here. And we followers of God, the incarnate God who came to be with us, we have to go to them, to be with them where they are, with the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. But it's not just young people too, it's adults. Hang on. You can't reverse, can you? Blank it for a minute. Can you blank it? Oh, we can, right. It's not just young people who are missing. Adults, half of all 60-year-olds never went to Sunday school or had a Christian upbringing. Half. Of all people, actually, I think it's now those beyond retirement, 65. You see, there's been this great disconnection, and we no longer live in Christendom. We live in missiondom. Yet we who have been found by God are being prepared now for a missionary venture like that seen in the Acts of the Apostles. We need to discover Christ on the margins. And Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus instructs his disciples as he returns to his Father. He says, when the Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Got it, I've got a slide for this. You have it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He's pointing them away from Jerusalem. They're going to be pushed out by the Spirit to be disciples, to be witnesses. Acts 1 verse 8 isn't an interesting geography lesson. It's a very disturbing call. Okay? It's not just an interesting geography lesson. It's a very disturbing call which I believe is most relevant for us today. It indicates a journey from the familiar through the disagreeable to the unthinkable. Okay, the familiar is Jerusalem and Judea. The disagreeable is Samaria. The Jews didn't want much to do with the Samaritans at all. And as far as going to the Gentiles, that was completely unthinkable. So utterly undermines our complacency and all mission shape exclusively around come to us. So, Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth. If you like, the Judean journey, the Samarian safari, and the expeditions to the ends of the earth. That's what we're being called to. And you might want to see that, you know, church-based stuff is stuff around Jerusalem. Stuff that's with people who are Perhaps on the fringes of the church used to come, don't so much. That might be like the journey Sumerian safari. And those who've never ever come and hardly ever been except for the odd funeral, and might, who is Jesus? That's the expedition to the ends of the earth.
So the Judean journey is not enough. The reality is that traditional ways of being church and outreach through Sunday services helps a reducing minority of people. I'm not trying to depress you here. I'm just trying to say the reality, all right? Can we have the Q pie chart? Right. Sorry if you've seen this before, but it's just good to be reminded, okay? So 10% of um, people go to church today. That's of all um, denominations, Roman Catholics, Anglicans, Baptists, Methodists, New Frontiers, what have you. Okay, and, that, and, and regular means sort of five to eight times every two months. Then you've got your irregulars. Yes, you know who you are. Oh, sorry, your regulars, right. They, they come two to three times every two months, okay? That would be what we'd be calling irregulars. So they attend less than monthly. Then you've got your de-churched, and 40% are de-churched, and they're split into two groups. There's the open de-churched. They're the ones who, well, they, they left church. Um, in fact, they, they moved area, okay? They were coming to church here. They did a lot of work, and then they went away, and they thought when they got to the new place, they didn't bother getting connected with the church. Probably, actually, because they were so overworked as church wardens when they were here. They thought, we'll have a quiet time when we get to the new place. Keep our heads down. But actually, they're people who are open to being invited back. You understand? So, yeah. um, so they, they're, they're people who've, you know, oh yeah, if I was invited. And that's what Back to Church Sunday is all about. You know, when you have these invite, invitations to people on church, we have guest services, and you might do, you have that lovely Valentine's thing. You invite them to something in church. And they might come back to that because they're open. But then there's the next 20% who are never coming back because they've been upset by that vicar. And boy, was he rude. When I, want my ba- when I wanted my baby baptized and he questioned, you know, well, like, this is my third baby. Why haven't he begun- I been to church since the first one or the second one was baptized? I was most put out. And I wanted to get married in church. And he said it wasn't right. Just because it's my second marriage, why shouldn't I be? It's, it's people who have been upset, whether it's a, a real upset or a perceived upset. They're people who have really been hurt. And many people have been hurt, actually, by the way, what they've heard. And we know that terrible things have happened between the church about abuse and stuff like that. So we need, they're, they're not probably going to come back just by doing normal things. And then there's the 40% who never come to church. They only come occasionally. Never brought up in the faith. Didn't really hear much at school. Might go when the old friend dies and, or there's a wedding. But they're unchurched. 40% is an average. In some places, it's 80%. Probably in a place like Shrewsbury, it's less. It may be more like 20-30% because of the church schools and that. And the way we tend to do mission is clockwise. Hang on. Look, Steve, if you can't operate it, get out of the chair and get someone else in, all right? <laughs> all right, just, just hang on. Get, get the unchurched, that's it. Um, we tend to do mission clockwise round, don't we? We go... You know, we're the regulars, work hard to make the irregulars more regular. And then we sometimes have a big mission and we hope that the open de-church might come if we're particularly good and kind and put whizzy things on. And then we tend to get to a bit of a block there. 
actually what fresh expressions of church, part of what Laura's doing, is saying maybe we need to go anti-clockwise around the pie chart and do the missionary thing and go and start church in uncharted territory. The back streets of Baston Hill. Yes, we know there's plenty of them. Well, we know actually Laura's not. Laura's going to do a lot of stuff based here because this church is very open. The, the, the facilities lend itself to being open for lots of activities. But you, you understand the whole thing. We're trying to reach people who have been unreachable in the past. What we call Heineken ministry, reaching the parts most beers don't. Right, most churches don't, sorry. Now, let's have the next bit. Thank you, Steve. If things carry on as they do carry on, and they don't have to, because things can change, the spirit acts, but the unchurched bit will get much, much bigger. It will grow from 40% to larger. So this is why we need to be, we need churches like this that are thinking in a missionary way. We need appointments like Laura's to be thinking, well, how can we plant a community of Christ's believers um, to make change happen and to make disciples. What's the next slide? Let me have a look. Oh, forget that. Blank that. Not that we're not focusing on children and young people, I understand, but... Okay. Okay. So, we talked about different mission strategies. The, the, the Jerusalem... Um, journey, Judean journey, is more about us and committed to help the less committed to become more committed. And things like Back to Church Sunday, Everybody Welcome course, doing things here can work very well. But we need to recognize that we're doing the vast majority of our fishing in a shrinking pond. We need to be enterprising and imaginative fishers. We need to be fishing in the bigger pool, I think. However, we also need ways to connect with all our major expanding mission field, who are non-churched. If we only make the equivalent of the Judean journey, we'll stay in the centre of things and still fail to hear Acts 1 verse 8. Alpha, Emmaus, Christianity Explored, all these things, they they are courses that can help people grow and become firm disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. But they're very much based on, please come to us. The Sumerian safari is about connecting with the de-churched. It might be like that first unwelcome mission to Samaria. And Acts 8 indicates that it was more of an unwelcome surprise than a deliberate plan. You know, persecution came and all the disciples got dispersed. That's what happened. And that's how the gospel got out. It wasn't some deliberate strategy And they all got together and said, now how are we going to evangelize the world? Basically, they got persecuted and they all ran away. And in running away, talked about what they believed in. That's what I mean by saying it's the Acts of the Apostles is really the Acts of the Spirit. Because it's God driving it. John 4, you'll remember that story about Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. At no time did Jesus suggest a trip to Jerusalem. Rather, it was about a living encounter with him where she was. It was relational witness at the well and not an invitation to worship elsewhere. 
And to be honest, we need to say this, and this is really for your sake, Laura. Laura's task, her primary task, is not to get more young people into church on Sunday. Tell me if I'm off beam here. The vicar will shoot me if I'm wrong. I don't think it is. Um, It would be lovely if they were, but I don't think we can judge it like that because it's too much of a moon step for people to take. But rather it's to help a loving church to get out into the community with the good news of God's love and acceptance of them. And you'll be doing that in all sorts of different ways. Um, The key thing now is to help, I think, model um, what it is to be God's people so that people see authentic um, Christianity, that it actually makes a difference to people's lives. And we hope and pray that we'll get some firm disciples, people who aren't just attracted but become followers. And it's not usually in big droves, it's in ones and twos. So, Laura, you know, you're going to have a lot of people praying for you, but don't think they're expecting you to, you know, have a full church by September. November, but we're not September. But the Samaritan safari can't be done on our own turf or home territory. Um, Sometimes it's got to be done off our turf on other people's territory. And then there's the end of the earth expedition. That's the story of Peter, you know, going to Cornelius and baptizing the Gentiles, the mission to the, the Gentiles, the unthinkable, if you like. And what is crucial to see is the outward thrust does not leave the sending church at the centre. If you think they've got to move from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, the centre of the church will no longer be Jerusalem. It'll be more like out here. So there's a whole change going on to us as God's people and the church here. So that'll be an interesting part of what happens. One of the biggest things to help the conversion of the Gentiles was the conversion of Peter to actually get his mind around the fact that he could go to the Gentiles with the gospel message. So chapter 10 of Acts is often about, is really about the conversion of Peter as much as the conversion of the Gentiles. And when change is going on, that can be a bit painful. I'm just warning you, you're going to have a bit of pain. Expect it. It will happen. But But this is what God does by his spirit. He's moving us out to be by his spirit, to witness in a fresh way, to reach the people he loves so much and wants them to know him. And bless you, Laura, for putting yourself on the line. Thank you for coming here. We really are glad. And um, may God bless you richly in your time with us and with the church family. Amen.